Hello everybody, I'm Adele Coolbrap, and welcome to Prompted, the official podcast for the writing prompt section of reddit.com, where you are prompted to write stories. And here, we showcase the best of them, all with the goal of helping each other to become better writers. Hello again everybody, I'm LL Coolbrap and you're listening to episode 20 of Prompted. Our theme for today is Heroes. We've got three heroic stories lined up for you today, and also some entries from the Flash Fiction Contest. So, suit up, strap in, and let's get started. Donning his tights first this week is Giglamesh. He'll be reading a story by The Pecking Order. The prompt was originally posted by Sweet Insanity. A single man declares war on the entire world. One year later, the leaders of each nation gather to discuss their surrender. It began as a whisper, a fleeting word in restless wind. The superpowers were too preoccupied with trying to best one another to hear it. The people, however, suffering in the aftermath, listened. At first, he was labelled as a terrorist, looked at as subhuman, a lunatic who spewed fallacies. No one knew he held the cards. Romulus appeared at nine o'clock in the morning on December 6th. Every television on the planet projected his ghostly white mask. His eyes weren't visible save for two red irises piercing through the blackness. His mask was cracked, battle-worn and the purity of the white faded into black near the top of the face. Over his left eye there was a shadow of blue, and over the right, red. Gold lines embossed on the mask turned the shadows into flames. Nothing was accidental, not even on his mask. The rest of him was covered in black. A black hood covered his head, and a long flowing trench coat veiled his person. When he made his move, Static interrupted the regularly scheduled programming. Most assumed their television was broken, until his mask finally appeared. His eyes glared directly into each person on the planet. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now about to witness the strength of the people of this planet. His voice was unlike anything anyone expected, slightly raspy, but soothing and comforting powerful. It's a new era. All those who live in the black lies, controlling the corrupting machine we were forced to live in will fall. Our governments, our leaders, whom we were taught to trust. You abused your power and left your people to starve and murder each other to survive. My name is Romulus, and this is the beginning of the end of the world as you know it. As quickly as he appeared, he vanished. Immediately, world leaders scrambled to speak and comfort their people. The problem was, however, that their citizens felt no fear. They felt hope. They felt the scales of power tip. In the following month, Romulus systematically released incriminating photos, documents, and voice recordings, bringing to light the corruption of the world powers. 
The media attempted to stop the broadcasting, but he could not be stopped. So they resorted to turning him into a villain. He won't even show his face to us. He, he, he claims to be a savior of the people, but Romulus is too scared to come out into the open. He was ridiculed, belittled, and coaxed, and yet the wolves howled with their tails between their legs, fearing what he had left up his sleeve. When the President of the United States finally gave his speech, he too attempted to bring Romulus into the open. It was this day, Tuesday, January 6th, that he showed us exactly how powerful he was. In the middle of his speech, the President was interrupted by an unexpected fire alarm. As the White House was evacuated due to the growing flames inside, all eyes left the protected President and shifted to Romulus standing on the grass, as calm as the day he first appeared. Immediately all guns were drawn and aimed, snipers were ready and most likely jets were moving in as well. I am not here to draw blood, he shouted, loud enough for the neighboring reporters to hear. You wish to speak to me face to face, and here I am to give you that respect. What is it you want? the president inquired breaking free from the grasp of his Secret Service guards. Money? Power? The two were a mere ten meters apart. I am not concerned with any of that. I am not you, Mr. President. Now, if I'm not mistaken, everyone has left the building. Romulus raised his left hand, his arm at ninety degrees. Let me show you what I am capable of. So perish every one that shall hereafter leap over my wall. He shut his hand into a fist, and with it, a series of small explosions caused the White House to collapse into the flames. By the time everyone's gaze reverted back to where he stood, Romulus was gone. Over the next few months, Romulus appeared in the most powerful countries, methodically bringing down the heavily guarded fortresses of the world leaders. Men and women once looked upon as great people of our time were now shown to be nothing more than adulterers, embezzlers, murderers, and unfit of their titles. The people began to rally behind Romulus, sporting similar masks and demanding change, demanding we be given the power to rule with truth and absolute transparency. Romulus had not injured a single person. The governments around the world, however, had killed hundreds in pursuit of their rival. Eleven months after his first appearance, the world leaders launched a final attack on the known location of Romulus. He was where he always sat, meditating it seemed, and surrounded by dozens of reporters and hundreds of cameras. All heads turned swiftly once the roar of the missiles was first heard. Run! Romulus shouted, seemingly shaking the mountains around him. The press scattered, desperately seeking safety. Romulus, however, just stood and faced his apparent doom. You fools. He extended his hand forcefully towards the weapons. No one knew how he was able to do what he did. Most likely a device, but at the moment no one cared. One by one, the missiles exploded, sending harmless debris falling hundreds of feet away. Romulus turned to the cameras still fixed on him. Ironic. How you claim to want the best for your people, claim you want to protect them, yet you just attempted to murder hundreds. You have lost this war, 
and I have done my part. Goodbye. A month after the attack and Romulus's subsequent disappearances, the world leaders decided it was best to relinquish their iron grip on the globe. Some swore it would create chaos, others promised blood and death everywhere. Romulus seemed to have vanished. To them, the threat was gone for good. There was no need to give up their power. But they didn't realize they no longer had anyone to control. The people of the world, once divided by petty differences in beliefs and customs, stood as one. What began as a whisper now spoke with a resounding voice, and it will be heard. It will be trusted, and in the shadows will loom a silent hero, ready to bring balance back should he ever be needed. We only pray he will not be. Great job, Gigglemesh. I'll be up next with my cape flapping in the breeze. I'll be reading Alive Since 85's response to New X7's prompt. You're the cliched high school superhero who has to balance heroics and school life. One day, you rescue your love interest while on superhero duty, when suddenly she starts talking about your alter ego. You decide to stay and talk with her to see what she thinks of you at school. I laid there panting and desperately wanting to tear the mask off, sweat running in my eyes and down my back. She was safe, and that was all that mattered. Victoria Jones. The best looking girl on the planet. Or at least in my school. I wasn't sure I could move, much less sit up. She was frozen, her hand over her mouth in the same spot where the beast had her pinned against the wall before everything went down. She came running over when she was sure he wouldn't get back up. Oh my god, are you okay? I grunted. I was still trying to catch my breath and I was pretty sure my legs would shatter if I tried to stand on them. But this was the moment. The hero moment. I'm go- I'm fine and good. I'm- I'm good. <clears throat> I summoned all the strength I had left in a sit-up, although I was pretty sure I had at least three broken ribs. I suppressed a groan. What was that? Is it dead? Who are you? She looked back at me when she asked this last question. Then that perfect face focused on mine intently. Long story, I managed between quick breaths. What name had I come up with again? You look so familiar, like someone I know, she said beautiful blue eyes searching mine. That's when I realised that most of the left side of my mask was missing. I didn't notice it before because it seemed that eye wasn't working so great. Really? Who? I said, rolling to my right and away from her so I could try to stand. I can't remember his name, she started, moving toward me despite my attempt to add distance. Thank God, I thought. Sam! Sam Watson, he's in my chemistry class. Damn. Never heard of him, I said, surprised she remembered. We've only been in school together since the second grade. I couldn't fault her, though. If her league exploded, the pieces wouldn't even land in my league. He's quiet, kind of shy. She took a step and I raised a gloved hand to cover the left side of my face, inspecting the damage to the mask. Sounds like we don't have much in common, then. 
I started, suddenly aware of something bleeding on my leg, which I inadvertently reached for with the hand previously covering my face. He's cute like you. I looked up, forgetting the mask, as a gallon of ice water suddenly went through my veins. What does this mean? What should I do? Who should do it? My fingers were numb, the edges of my vision went blurry. She took another step and I was suddenly very nervous. Much more nervous than I had been when I dropped down into the alley and drew the attention of a monster I wasn't sure I could take on. I didn't know what to say or how to respond. This was uncharted territory. I catch him sometimes, sneaking glances. It's like he... A sound from the monster cut her off. Something between a grunt and a snarl. Get out of here now, I said, using my hero voice that almost surely sounded as creaky as it felt coming out. She took one last look and ran, leaving me alone with the thing. It stirred, snarling again. That's okay. I was ready. Victoria Jones said I was cute. Part 2 The thing stood, a mutated mass of thick tissue and quasi-human features. An experiment gone horribly wrong. It stared me down with dark, black, empty eyes. I cracked my knuckles, the only appropriate response I could muster. The thing crouched and let out a bellowing snarl roar. The air that came out smelled like a broken sewer line. I took one last inventory of my injuries and was relieved to find them already healing. The bleeding gash on my leg had closed but hadn't fully disappeared. I wondered absently if I could heal from the same wound twice. I hadn't had time to test that yet. The thing rushed forward with a surprising quickness. I held up one arm in a block and it used that as a handle to throw me into the wall where Victoria had been trapped. I felt bricks crack and crumble behind me as I tried desperately to land on my feet. The air was sucked out of my lungs, but I didn't have time to think about that. The thing was bearing down on me again. Focus. Focus. It rushed forward in a flash, swinging its claw hand at me. Not a moment too soon, I reached out to catch it. When I did, my hands did the thing. The blurring motion capturing motion recalibrating thing. I forced the ball of energy to hit the creature centre mass, and it threw him into the dumpster across the alley. He disappeared inside and the lids closed on top. I had a little energy left, so I immediately blasted the hole where the thing disappeared. See, if I wait too long, my hands go back to normal and I just sort of absorb the energy. The blast must have hit him because he came flying out the other side, dazed. I ran forward and jumped, bringing my weight down in a double kick to its head. The fall hurt like a mother. I mean, stars exploding all round kind of pain. I stood, hoping I still had the upper hand. The thing's speed surprised me, just like last time. An uppercut came out of nowhere. I left my feet and landed about 50 feet down range. I think I blacked out. Because when I came to, it was standing over me. Claw hand positioned just over my heart. I couldn't move, everything was numb. Nothing was responding. What kind of bottom-of-the-barrel superpower relies on the enemy to hit you first anyway? I was pretty sure he broke my neck. I tried desperately to move something, anything. My body was limp. The thing seemed to be studying me, making tiny corrections with the claw. 
Maybe he can see my heart, I thought. Maybe he's aiming. I closed my eyes trying to somehow speed up my healing power. That's when he exploded. Like, literally exploded. Pieces of flesh and fluid everywhere sounded like a water balloon popping. I opened my eyes and realised my head could turn. I looked down the alley and there she was. Victoria Jones. Only she had a rocket arm. Yeah, a rocket arm. One hand was literally a smoking barrel pointing my way. It wiggled and wormed, morphing into five delicate fingers. From the look of Victoria's face, this process was painful. I guess I wasn't the only one playing around in that factory. I guess I wasn't the only superhero in Cypress Point either. Victoria walked up and I tried to speak, but couldn't. So far, only head and eyes were working, I guess. She bent down and pulled my mask off. I was sort of glad my mouth wasn't working because I didn't know what the hell I would say if it was. I stared into her eyes, questioning. She lowered to my face and kissed me, planted one right on my lips. She had soft, heavenly lips. She whispered, See you in class, and then was gone. Well, that was certainly an interesting twist. Up next, it's a crack team of superheroes represented by the three of us. It's time for Flash Fiction. These are short stories posted in response to the prompt we chose for all you listeners out there. The prompt was, The first day on the job for a superhero. The following stories were written by The Minion Kings, Shuflerns, Zuberan, TDW Fan, and Lil Wardexel. It's only been the first day, and I've lost all hope in superheroes. We were called to a bank robbery in the east side, Western Street. Anathema, Shaka, and I, veterans, to show me the ropes. It went badly. Half a million dollars in damage, fifty casualties, mothers, fathers, and siblings. The criminals were barely young adults. Poor and desperate enough to rob a bank to support their families. Anathema and Shaka were too busy pointing fingers at each other. No efforts to console the victims. No efforts into prevention programs for the youth. Nothing. Damage and cleanup. Action and reaction. We're merely powered police in a city that desperately needs superheroes. Atacutron blows up bank, dozens injured. Reign of Terror continues. Can no one protect the city? Captain Wonder defeats Atacutron. Parade held in honor of Captain Wonder. Captain Wonder breaks up drug ring. Agent Orange declares, I'm out of the game. Wonder is too good. While thwarting robbery, Captain Wonder injures bystanders. Was Captain Wonder drunk? Captain Wonder refuses to submit to questioning. Is Captain Wonder above the law? Police Chief, Wonder turns himself in or we go after him? Where is Captain Wonder? Atacutron returns, dozens injured. 
Who will save the city? The shards of eternity dance in the ever-growing gloam of the evening stars, mashed together against the pastel backdrop of infinite suns and gems twinkling together. It's a place where only those greater than mortal can survive for more than a few minutes. It's also the first place heroes are sent, since gathering the strands of the world is a surprisingly menial job. But much like the rest of training, it's a simple affair. Peace by piece. The cafe burnt down. Our magnificent town hall needs a few new windows. A few manhole covers need to be replaced. But it's all worth it. I saved my first life. As I gently returned her home, she told me she'd never forget me. So, throw your worst evildoers. I'm on top of the world. Hear the yell and ring the bell. I see a damsel down in hell. No fear, quell the tear. Your savior is here. Villainous mob, this is my job. I've trained so long to hear you sob. Smackle, crackle, shattered by my tackle. Goons, buffoons, scattered like tunes. Blow, mow, toe, throw. Welcome, scoundrels, to my show. Too busy jabbing to see the stabbing. Too in my head to see the red. Too busy kicking to see it trickling. I hang my head in shame. Arrogance ate my fame. Damsel's heart rate drops to zero. Cape and powers make no hero. Great job on those flash fiction entries. Be sure to check out the rest of them by visiting prompted.reddit.com and clicking on the Flash Fiction post. Coming to the rescue with our final story of the episode is a hero so impressive that she doesn't even need an alter ego. It's Katie. She'll be reading Deomek's response to Luke Scale's prompt with the title You are an ageless evil of the land, and a prophecy has been made about a chosen one arising to end your rule. Instead of antagonizing the Chosen One, you send guards to his farmstead and give his parents tax breaks. The Dark One, overlord of the Fifteen Worlds, had kidnapped the Oracle years ago. It was best to keep prophecy-spewing maidens close to the den, after all. So when the aforementioned oracle made the great prophecy that foretold his reign's end by the hand of a farm girl, the Dark One was the first to hear of it. In response, he did the logical thing. He marched over to the squalid hut that the baby lived in, 
gave the parents enough money to be comfortable, and kept his second-best regimen posted by their newly furnished house. After all, the Dark One assured the parents their child was destined for great things. You could never be too careful. There were plenty of people who'd want to take advantage of a gifted child. Look, he might have gotten the title of Dark One thanks to his mastery of black magic, but he wasn't evil. Unlike what those rebellious bands of terrorists thought, he had a reason for everything he did. It rankled a bit to rule over the realms with an iron fist. But come on! Until the populace was educated and advanced enough to govern itself, the people had to be unified by force. The centuries of civil war before him just proved his point. Speaking of education, he also ensured that little Miss Chosen One had access to the best teachers. Damn it, if he was going to be overthrown by someone, though he was still holding out on that. It better be by someone smart, not some lunk with a sword. Of course, the drooler extraordinaire seemed more interested in slobbering over the books than reading them. Once the kid actually learned how to read, however, that changed. The Dark One would visit her in between crushing insurrections with a new bundle of books in hand. She had an insatiable curiosity, devouring books faster than he could throw them at her. Her parents, though good people, didn't know the answers to anything. And though her tutors were the best, their knowledge paled in comparison to the master himself, which is why he got the short end of the stick. Uncle Dark! She chirped, persisting in calling him by that stupid name. Why can't we make more magic? Why do the elves and orcs hate each other? Why are there two sons? Why, why, why? If he never heard that phrase again, he'd die happy. If he ever died, that was. However, the Dark One had to admit that there was something satisfying about teaching someone and watching them thrive. He wondered why he hadn't done it sooner, honestly. Oh, right. Students tend to overthrow their teachers to an alarming degree. The years seemed to pass faster than usual. He visited the girl, developed the economy, killed copycat chosen ones, vanquished chaos demons, and before he knew it, the child was no longer a child. Her knowledge began to outpace that of the tutors he sent, and soon she was a skilled mage in her own right. A fully developed person, too. With his immortality, the Dark One had forgotten how quickly mortals grew. He could forget no longer, though. Did you do it? She asked, standing as tall as his physical body. Did you massacre all those reedlings? The Dark One paused in his 80th reread of the Elements of Magic. He remembered the massacre very well. It was what had given him his name. The Reedlings had kept rebelling and rebelling, and he'd just cast the immortality spell, so his control had been unstable. And he could think of a thousand excuses, but that wasn't what she asked. Yes, he said instead. I did. Why? 
The Dark One could hear the echo of her childish squeak, but the still in her voice was anything but. I have never lied to you, and I will not start now. And so he began to talk. He started at the very beginning, back when he was still a mortal child in a different world. He talked about his discovery by a master wizard, his accidental use of the dimensional portal spell, his rise to power, and everything in between. For the first time, he explained everything. What he did, how he did it, and most importantly, why. The sun had set by the time he'd finished. The Chosen One was silent for what felt like too long. I understand, she said finally. What you did wasn't right, but I understand. A weight had been lifted from his shoulders, and the Dark One knew that he'd done something right. I think you should join the Rebellion. What? She stared at him. You want me to join a disparate, silly gaggle of terrorists that want to kill you? That's what they are right now. But with you at the helm, they'll be a force to reckon with. It took her quite some time to agree, but the Chosen One wasn't stupid. He'd made sure of that. She understood what he was asking, and so she set off to fulfill her end of the prophecy. On his part, the Dark One encouraged rumors of the Chosen One's rise. He'd already loosened his grip over the Empire in the last few decades, and it mostly functioned without his direct intervention, leaving him as just a figurehead. Everything was in place. All he had to do was wait. Years later, the Chosen One faced him again. The ragtag band of rebels had become a united force, and she led them as an accomplished mage and skilled tactician. They exchanged a show of magic for the masses before the Dark One allowed himself to be cornered inside his own castle. Everyone else was kept out by the barriers. This realm is ready for you, he said, sitting at the foot of his throne. The economy is about to industrialize. The populace is educated, and best of all, everyone is united in their hatred of me. <laughs> You really did plan this all, didn't you? The Chosen One laughed before taking her seat beside him. I've always been in awe of your foresight, but one question has bothered me through all these years. Why did you do it? She paused and continued in a much softer tone. And why me? He smiled. During my long life, I've learned that prophecies come true whether you like them or not. I hate them on principle, of course. They're too deterministic for my taste. But even prophecies let you choose how they come true. If my reign has to end, then I'd rather it be by someone who knows what they're doing. Someone like you. I'm sorry that- Don't be. I've been needing a break. Besides, I haven't visited the other worlds in a long, long time. One of them probably needs an evil overlord to overthrow, right? She wiped away her tears and gave him a watery smile. I'll make you proud, 
Uncle Dark. The Dark One patted her head, and as he disintegrated into dust, he said, You already have. Fantastic job as always, Katie. I'm afraid that's all the stories we've got time for today. We hope you enjoyed these heroic tales. A big thank you to all of the writers involved in this episode, and all those who took part in the Flash Fiction Contest. We thoroughly enjoyed reading each of the stories. As always, if you liked any of the stories we featured in this episode, the details for each author can be found in the show notes, and at our website, prompted.reddit.com. If you have any thoughts on the podcast or any feedback, feel free to post on the episode threads. Thank you for listening. Until next time, good words, good writing.